Well, hello and welcome to this week's worship, online worship service. We're so glad that you joined us. I'm Pastor Mike Nadelko, and on behalf of the New Life team here, we're just so pleased that you've joined us as we navigate the wilderness here of COVID-19 and continue to, to meet online and virtually. We look forward to meeting you again face-to-face and to being the church family together. Those of you outside of our region, we welcome you too, but again, we encourage you to connect and to find a a local church that you can be a part of and to grow together, but we're just glad that you can join us as we come to God's Word and, and learn a, a, just a, a fresh lesson today from an ancient book, the book of Numbers, which talks about moving through, finding God in the wilderness. I think COVID is like a wilderness for many of us. And in this season of uncertainty, of uh, hazards and risk, this book written thirteen to 1500 B.C., has a vital and a living message for us today. And so as we come to God's Word together, we're just happy to share this message with you. And, and I hope that, that you, you can just follow along and learn from us. If you're not a church person, maybe you're just checking us out. You saw the sign out in front of our church. You were just scoping it out on the, on the internet. And you're like, oh, let's see what these guys have to say. We welcome you. Stick with us. You'll find that, that God's Word has a real living message for you today. And so as we come to God's Word, we're going to pray. We're just going to ask God to guide us as we learn from Him together this morning, this, this day, as, as whatever time you're watching this. So let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word that speaks a living message, for the examples that we, we find in it and just the living truth that it is. Thank you for Jesus Christ, our Savior, and the Holy Spirit, which guides us to understand and appreciate this truth. And so minister to each person watching it, each family watching it, wherever they are, Lord, may this vital, life-changing truth really impact each person, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Part of navigating the wilderness, of course, is, is that you have to, to watch your step. You've you got to be careful when you're navigating and moving through the wilderness. We're going to learn this from the, the example of the Israelites here in the book of Numbers, that they have to be careful how they, they navigate, but just in a practical way. I, I got a few pictures here, but there, there are hazards that, that we can encounter in any wilderness travel. Um, First of all, of course, the, the trail itself could be hazardous. And I have a picture here of the Cliffside Trail in Mount Huashan in, in China. This is, one of the, this is one of the most dangerous hiking trails in the world. You'll see there's a little board there, and there's chains anchored to, to the rock. And you just kind of shuffle along that board, holding on to those rusty chains, and work your way up to this special spiritual place that they have up there. It's, it, it, it's a very dangerous trail. So, you, you know, the trail itself could be hazardous. You've got to watch your step. And make sure you're hanging on as you move your way up that trail. Uh, the other side is, of course, there could be hazards on the trail. And in, in, in southern Alberta, southern Saskatchewan, one of those hazards that you often find is cactus. These little spiky plants that are hidden away in little crevices. And as you hike, if you're not careful, you can step on or the si- side of your shoe. It could go right through the side of your shoe. If you're wearing sandals, even more dangerous. The, uh, the, there could be hazards on the trail. The other danger in the wilderness is that the trail itself could bite back. You know, the, sometimes when you're hiking in the, in the desert, you'll encounter scorpions. And uh, I remember going to Mexico, and we would turn rocks over and find scorpions underneath. And as, as I'm researching this sermon, I'm finding out, well, most, most scorpions aren't dangerous, but a quarter of them, their venom could be deadly, right? So, I mean, I, I don't know if you want to take that risk and say, well, is this the, the good 75% or the bad 25%? I mean, you, you don't know, but, it, you know, the, the trail could bite you back. You know, make sure you check your sleeping bag before you go to bed and shake it out, you know. Or you can encounter a viper, a snake that hidden in a rock somewhere as you get close, come out and, and bite you. And of course, the danger of the wilderness 
is that you don't have access to the, the medical support you need to counteract that, that hazard, that danger that you've encountered. And so what happens usually with snake bite victims is they don't have the, the medical attention they need at the time. And so uh, you, you can get scarred and sometimes even require amputation in, in the wrong case. And so there are, there are hazards as you journey through the wilderness. But perhaps, as we encounter today, there are even more dangerous hazards. Hazards that are even more, more deadly than the external hazards that we've looked at here on the screen. They're internal dangers. They, they have a, a greater capacity to hurt us as we move through the wilderness. And that's what we encounter here in Numbers chapter 12. That there is some internal hazards in the life of Miriam and Aaron, the sister and brother of Moses, that get them in a lot of trouble. And those same temptations and sins can fall in front of us too as we navigate the wilderness if we're not careful. And so today as we come to Numbers 12, we're going to find a, a story here of, of Moses and his brother and sister and the ugly side of the wilderness, that internal part of our heart where Jealousy, selfishness, selfish ambition, self-promotion comes out and hurts the forward progression through the wilderness for this whole camp. And, and this is a danger for you and me. As we've been in, in the wilderness for multiple weeks here, maybe you've already felt like some of these things are, are rising to the surface in your own relationships. And we need to be aware of that because I think God is using the wilderness to, to teach us, to train us. It's a time of testing and of trial, but the ultimate end goal for us in the wilderness is that God would have us become more like Jesus Christ. And he allows these experiences to, to strengthen us, to equip us, and to prepare us for greater things ahead. And maybe that's what you're experiencing right now, just as they were experiencing. So here we find Numbers chapter 12. It says that then Miriam, in verse 1, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. They said, has the Lord only spoken through Moses? Has he not also spoken through us? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very humble, more so than any man on the face of the earth. It says they spoke against Moses. And of course that term carries with it a hostile connotation. So I mean, you got to understand, uh, Miriam and Aaron were part of, of Moses' journey from the very beginning. I mean, Moses is born and his mom, a great woman of faith, is like, this, this kid is special. And, and so, and so they're, they're commanded to destroy their babies. They don't. They disobey the command of the law in order to obey the command of God. And they, they preserve his life. But it gets to be really difficult as the baby gets older. So they, she puts him in a basket and she puts him in the Nile River and has his sister Miriam watching. And when Pharaoh's daughter comes down to the riverbank to bathe, she sees this baby and, and uh, Miriam comes to him and says, hey, do you want me to find a Hebrew woman to nurse him? Oh, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, and, and then so he takes him back to his mom. His mom gets paid to look after Moses for Pharaoh's daughter, eventually moves to the Egyptian palace and is trained and educated in there. I mean, that's, but Miriam was a part of that early journey of Moses. Later on, when Moses was called by God to go and lead his people out of Egypt, I mean, Moses is very unsure and, and not wanting to take this task on and Finally, you know, he's complaining, he's arguing with God, and, and he's like, look, God, I can't even speak. And God's like, look, your, your, your brother can speak, he can speak for you. And so God allows and 
plans for Aaron to be a part of the team with Moses as they go to Pharaoh, as they speak the message to Pharaoh. And, and so Aaron becomes a part of the whole Exodus experience with Moses. These are, these are two very important people. As they came out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, and, and, and the Red Sea closed over the Egyptian army. There on the other side of the sea, they had this great celebration, and they're singing this psalm of praise to God. And then, then Miriam takes up this tambourine, and the ladies follow her, and they're singing praise to God. She's called a prophetess. They had very important roles, but it was different than Moses. But here, as they're in the wilderness, as they're moving towards God's best for them, this internal hazard rises up in the heart of Aaron, in the heart of Miriam. And the the Hebrew language makes it very clear using a feminine uh, association that that it's Miriam that's the ringleader in this. And they begin to, to speak against Moses. I mean, it's bad enough in Numbers 11, the rabble, the riffraff on the outside of the camp are, are causing problems on the camp. But, but now it's, it's Moses' very family members that are, that are attacking him, undermining him. And of course, what it shows us is as we go through the wilderness, you know, there's, there's three kind of pictures that come out of this. I'm going to put it in, in modern terms for you. The, the first is that, that we can make issues out of non-issues in the wilderness. You see that in verse 1. Uh, they're critical of this Cushite woman that he married. Now, I have a picture here from the, the movie The Ten Commandments. Some of you have watched it. And here's um, Charlton Heston with his Cushite wife. And, and you'll notice in the picture that, that uh, she's darker skinned. And, and, and then that's, that's possibility here that, that, that Moses' original wife had passed away and he took on, on another wife. And this wife happened to be from the region of Ethiopia and happened to be darker skinned. And, and what we have is a, a comment of great prejudice it could be an exclusivism that, that she's not an Israelite and how dare you do that. I mean, we're not sure. The commentators are all over the map on, on who this Cushite is. Is it Zipporah, his first wife, the, the daughter of Jethro you know, from the land of Midian? We, we don't know. The text is not clear and nor does it seem to, to care. What is very clear is that God never says anything negative about Moses marrying this woman. Nowhere in the Bible is Moses' family life ever drawn into question or, you know, or, or he, is, is he ever held accountable for poor decisions in this area? The, God, God doesn't judge him this way, but Aaron and Miriam do. We can make issues out of non-issues in the wilderness because of our own critical spirit. And this often happens in the church as people come in, they begin to complain about things, but they're their issues are deeper, but they just find surface things to complain about to cause trouble because they have problems that, that they're just un- unwilling to deal with. And here's, here's, this is the same situation going on here. They're, they're making a problem out of, out of what not, is not a problem. But the, the reality is what happens when you do this is that you raise suspicion. You cause other people to, to question that reality. And, and it can grow throughout the camp and become very dangerous. It's this kind of, idea of suggestion. Well, is, is that really a good idea for him to marry that woman? Should she be married to the leader? You know, should, should he be in leadership? But not only that, we can compare ourselves to others and become selfish, jealous, and prideful. Here's the danger of the wilderness. Here's the danger of COVID-19. Is we begin to compare my situation to other people's situations. Well, I don't have a job. How come she still has a job? 
How come their kids get to go to work and my kids don't get to work? How, how come they get to graduate? You know, and, and we begin comparing our situations to each other. How come they got support from the government? I didn't get support. From, I mean, and, and, but what it comes from is, is an internal hazard. It's the internal danger of us being selfish, of us being jealous, and of us being prideful. I got these quotes on pride from uh, a book that I have. First is Robert Morrison. He was a missionary to China. He said, the great fault in our mission is that no one likes to be second. And J. Oswald Sanders said, the world has yet to see what would happen if everyone lost the desire to get the glory. Wouldn't it be a marvelous place if nobody cared who got the credit? J. Oswald Sanders. And here in verse 2, Miriam and Aaron are saying, has the Lord only spoken through Moses? Has he not also spoken through us? You see, that they want to get into the spotlight. They're jealous that Moses gets to have this special place, and they don't. Now, if they knew Moses, and we'll see, as in verse 3 will tell us, I mean, Moses didn't want the spotlight, but God wanted Moses in the spotlight. Some people are called to leadership. Some people are not called to leadership. Some people have opportunities, and others will never get those opportunities. And, and, and the reality is we can't compare ourselves with each other. We have to just accept the station God has given us in life and serve him in that place. But we can begin to compare ourselves with others. Don't do that. As you journey through the wilderness, just accept your situation and pray for God's wisdom in your situation. Don't compare yourself to others. Just find your way through the wilderness with God in your circumstances. But that results in, you know, the third thing is that we can move to being judgmental and graceless. They just could care less about how Moses felt about this. And maybe it's a little bit of that older brother, older sister syndrome where they just couldn't stand to see the, the runt becoming the successful leader of the nation. I mean, I don't know, but it is something internal. Prideful. Jealous selfish. These hazards come up and they step into these traps and they're going to find out that it is a very dangerous journey they're taking off the path that God has for them. And you see at the end of verse 2, it says, and the Lord heard it. You see, this lesson in the wilderness is, is, is watch your step. God is watching you. You may think that you can do all whatever you like, but the reality is God, God hears this. God hears the conversations you're having. God knows what's going on in your heart, in your mind. He knows the conversations, and, and he sees your actions. He's aware of your life right now. And if you're walking with him, that's a good thing. If you're walking away from him, that's a bad thing. And God hears them. He sees them. Watch your step. God is watching you. And for the person that walks in humility and in dependence on God and close relationship with him, that's a comforting truth. For the person who's walking in pride and selfishness and, and self-promotion, it's a dangerous truth. God hears. And then we see God responding. But before we get that, verse 3, we have this parenthetical note. Now, the man Moses was very humble, more so than any man on the face of the earth. I mean, it's put there as a contrast just so you and I realize as we read it here 3,000 years later that Moses was, was not a, a self-promoter. 
He didn't create this lavish LinkedIn profile for everyone to see. He didn't have a curriculum vitae. He didn't hand out business cards to everyone. He, he wasn't taking selfies and posting himself in a, with, with important people everywhere. He wasn't one of those type of people. He was a humble man. You see, the key for Moses getting through the wilderness was his humility. I got a picture here of a turtle on a fence post. Now, I grew up you know, in B.C., and we had a lake near us full of these western painted turtles. And, of course, you never saw this because in order for a turtle to get onto a fence pole, someone had to put it there. But that's, to me, a picture of humility. It's you realizing that where you are is because God has placed you there. You didn't get there on your own. Moses understood that. He was comfortable with that fact. But sometimes you and I aren't comfortable with that fact. Or when we get on the post, we are jealous of someone else's post. And each of us has our own fence post that God places us on. And, and when we come to grips with that and are, and are just comfortable with that, there's a, a, a real freedom that comes with that. Saying, this, this is my life. This is where God's placed me. He, this is what he's given me. And I'm going to serve him to the best of my ability for the maximum praise of his glory. But for Miriam and Aaron, it wasn't enough. Moses actually doesn't speak here until verse 13. They're speaking, and now God is going to speak. God's going to talk to them. But it's amazing how God uses humble people to accomplish great and, and important things. And even in the secular world, humble people and people that are, that are just blessed with humility have the capacity to, to make a great impact on the world. Uh, Sir Edmund Hillary, of course, the first guy to climb Mount Everest in 1953, uh, very successful man. He did it with all the, without the modern equipment they have today, and and he went on to just, you know, be given all these accolades by different governments and different government positions. But in 1960, he really began to focus his effort on bringing help back to the Himalayan and to, to the people that lived in Tibet. And, and he was just a, an advocate of, of them building, you know, uh, airport strips and hospitals. He just was a, a real, a real um, you know, champion for, for that area. Later on in his life, he was back there. Uh, just visiting and doing some work there. And these people recognized him. Say, hey, can we get a picture with you? And so they gathered around, you know, Sir Edmund Hillary, and, 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 and they're like, oh, yeah, hey, you should grab this ice pick. So he grabs this ice pick, and they're standing with him, and, and this hiker is walking by. He's like, hey, wait, wait a second. You're not holding that thing properly. And so he goes to Sir Edmund Hillary, the first guy to climb Mount Everest, and was like, yeah, you got to hold it like this. And Hillary just said, oh, thanks. And then smiled and let them take his picture. <laughs> I mean, would you be able to do that? But this is the kind of people that really make a difference in our world. Albert Schweitzer was a famous scholar, successful, comfortable career, but he decided to leave that to study medicine. And after he got his medical degree, he went to the West Africa jungles to serve as a surgeon to some of the most primitive areas in, in that region there and really made an impact. He was given the Nobel Peace Prize in 19... 52, and he donated all that money to a leper hospital. I mean, just, and, but it, it was his humility that was a significant piece of that journey, and, it, and his impact lives on to this day. And of course, countless missionaries that we could tell the same story, just humble men, humble women of God that, that pour themselves out and, and accomplish extraordinary things for God's glory just because they're just realized, this is my post, and I'm going to do whatever God has for me in this area of influence that he's placed me. Humility was the key for Moses getting through the wilderness. And so God, you see, when we step off God's path and away from his leading, we get in trouble. And God calls 
Miriam and Aaron forward. It says in verse 4, The Lord spoke immediately to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. The three of you come to the tent of meeting. It's kind of like a principal. You know, come down to my office. <laughs> we need to have a meeting here. So the three of them went. And the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent. And he called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forward. Moses hasn't spoken. There they are in the center of the camp. God's presence is over the tabernacle. And he calls them forward, and he's going to speak to them. And the Lord said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known to him in a vision. I will speak with him in a dream. My servant Moses is not like this. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face, openly and not in riddles. And he will see the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? I mean, you know, you've seen pictures of the, the tabernacle. You can just imagine there they are. God's there. They've stepped forward, and he speaks to them. And I don't know what they would expect. Sometimes people that are, that are stuck in pride just miss the reality of the situation. And I hope as you move through the wilderness, you have an accurate picture of reality. And a close relationship with God enables you to see the world in a right perspective. Moses saw it that way. Miriam and Aaron didn't. God just says, look, I speak through prophets, and I do it vaguely in visions and dreams, but with this man, it's different. We speak, Moses and I. He has seen my form. We have communed in an intimate way. He, it was like he was the king's advisor. They're not equals, but Moses has a very unique relationship with God that no one else has. And it was very presumptuous for Aaron and Miriam to assume that they could stand in the same place as Moses and assume the same leadership and the same responsibility and the same honor that he had. And God makes that very clear. And it says in verse 9 that the anger of the Lord burned against them. And he departed. And when the cloud departed from above the tent, Miriam became leprous as snow. Then Aaron looked at Miriam, and she was leprous. I mean, there's a picture you can see of, of this drawing of, of Miriam, and she's just in shock, like you can't believe it. I mean, the, the reality is, is when you step off the path of God, that he's led for you through the wilderness, and begin to make your own path, you get into trouble. And you find yourself in dangers and in hazards, and here for, for Miriam, her pride has now led her to this place where she is a leper. Now, this, the law, written, God's given to Moses on the mountain, says, you know, lepers, people with skin diseases, are not to remain in the camp. They're to be put outside the camp. She could not remain in the presence of God, nor in the presence of the camp, because of now she's considered to be unclean. God has judged her. And the reality is, is that God does punish us when we step off his path and make paths for ourselves. When we reject his way, when we reject his leadership in our life, when we reject those whom he has placed in leadership in our life, we will find ourselves in trouble. I'm speaking to you children now, you teenagers. God has placed your parents as a spiritual authority in your life. Now, if they're not walking with God, you, 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 know, you, you need to take that into account if they're asking you to do something sinful, but when your parents are, are men and women that are following God's way, you are accountable to God to respect and honor them and, and, and obey them. 
When you're rebellious against your parents, you're also rebelling against God. And that's a principle that we see here in, in this passage. God's established Moses. I don't care if you're his sister, his older sister. Him and I have a unique relationship, God says, and, and you should not be dissing him, running him down, undermining him, speaking against him. And there she is, leprous. You know, it describes Moses as this servant, this faithful man, this one who, who is dependable, who has this close relationship to God. And this is key for getting through the wilderness. The, 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 the mo- character of Moses, humility, servanthood, faithfulness, dependability, reliability, integrity, and a close relationship with God. I mean, th- those are, are things that, that we can take as we journey through and say, hey, you know what, if I, if, I, if I stay on this path, this is the right direction. It leads me to God, and it leads me to his direction as I navigate my own wilderness in, in the midst of, of our current situation. So there she is, she's leprous. And what's going to happen? And in verse 11, Aaron says to Moses, Oh my Lord, please do not hold this sin against us, in which we have acted foolishly and have sinned. He doesn't even speak to God. He speaks to Moses. He, he's like, oh, Moses, you know, my Lord. You know, he, he shows him respect. He acknowledges his sin. He repents. He confesses it. This is the key. If you've gotten off the path, you can always get back on. But it involves you confessing, repenting, and making it right. If you've rebelled against God, against authority in your life, you can always come back. But the path back is repentance. It's confession of your sin. It's acknowledging that God's way is best and your way was wrong. And it's rediscovering God's will and best for your life, as Aaron does here. And he, and he had asked Moses in verse, verse 12, Do not let her be like a baby born dead whose flesh is half consumed when it comes out of its mother's womb. I mean, there she is. This is horrible. And Moses cried out to the Lord. This is the first words of Moses in this text. Heal her now, O God. And the Lord said to Moses, If her father had only spit on her face, would she not have been disgraced for seven days? Shut her out from the camp seven days, and afterwards she can be brought back in again. Of course, you'll see a picture here of the camp and with that verse in a quotation. There they are in the center of the camp, close to God's presence, and God says, you know what? The reality is, there, there's a disgrace and a shame that comes with this act. I mean, if a father spit in his baby's face, that baby would be considered unclean. She is unclean. She needs to get right with me. She needs to serve as an example to the whole camp that this is not acceptable behavior. And so Miriam shamefully walks from the tent of meeting past all those tents, all those tents, all those people. She's marching to the edge of the camp where the lepers are, where the people that have been handling dead bodies are, where all the other unclean people are, and she has to stay on the outside with the rabble, with the riffraff, until she's considered clean and can come back in. And, and they can't move. They, they're waiting for Miriam. Everyone knows this. And there's a lesson there. You know, when, when we do things like this, we do hurt the people around us. And cause damage to them. And it, can, it, can, it, can, it, it hinders everyone's progress when we step off of God's path, and those, especially those closest to us. Now just think about that for a moment. You see that, you see, you see that in verse 15. 
So Miriam was shut outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not journey on until Miriam was brought back in. And after that, the people moved from Azeroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. I mean, it was, a, it was a hard lesson for her to learn, but it was a lesson for everyone to learn. When you step off of God's path, especially when you're prideful and selfish in that journey, it gets you in trouble. It gets you in trouble. See, the key to walking and navigating the wilderness is to walk with humility, is to just stay close to God, to listen to Him, to follow Him, to allow Him to set the pace and the direction and to trust in His leadership and the leadership He's placed in your life. I mean, what a horrible situation for Moses to go through, but God advocates on his behalf. God defends him. I, I think of J.L. Smith, who was the pastor of the People's Church years ago, great evangelist and pastor, and in one of his books, he's like, you know, no attack and no defense. When people come and criticize it, that was his, his motto. No attack, no defense. And here's Moses, same thing. I mean, he could try to be defend himself, but he doesn't. God defends him. God upholds him. And God holds accountable those who attack him. But here's the reality. You and I have things going on inside of us. There's hazards in our own hearts that we have to be aware of. Things that could come up in this wilderness time that could draw us off the path that God has for us. And we need to be aware of that. And the key to keep, keeping that at bay is to just have that humbleness, that humility, as we go with God. You know, Micah 6, 8, you know, says, you know, He's shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To keep that close and intimate and dependent relationship between you and God. That's the key to getting through the wilderness. That was what Moses depended on, but Miriam and Aaron stepped off that path into the path of self-assertion, the path of entitlement, the path of comparison and criticism, and it got them in grave danger. There's not much more we hear from Miriam after this until she finally dies and is buried. It's kind of a sad chapter to, to, to her life that kind of sours the rest of it. And, and you know, I, I don't want to see that happen in any of your lives or in my own life. And so this is written for us as an example. Say, don't move in this direction. I bring your attention, of course, as we get to bring this to a conclusion to, to this verse in the New Testament in 1 Peter. 1 Peter 5, verses 5b to 7, he says, And all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And God will exalt you in due time if you humble yourselves under his mighty hand by casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. Now, I don't know about you, but as I navigate this wilderness, I need God's help. But what he says here is that if I choose to walk through it in pride, I'm resisting his assistance. He says God opposes the proud. He's, he's not interested in helping proud people. But he gives grace to the humble. Those who know where they stand with God and realize that this, this fence post, I'm here only here because God put me here, they are the ones that God is able to bring his gracious assistance to. And it says the promise there, if you humble yourself, he'll, he'll exalt you in due time. And you can cast your cares on him because he cares for you. The temptation is to attack those closest to us in times of stress pressure, anxiety. I mean, that's, let's be honest, dads and moms. How many times have you come home and yelled at your kids or your wife or your husband because you had something stressful happen at work? 
something happened, you know, and, and you're just carrying that, and you get home, and bleh, you, blur, you know, be aware of that. We're all capable of doing that. You're living underneath each other's feet right now, and some of you in your homes, and you're crowded, and you're just like, oh, when is this going to end? And, and, the, and the temptation, the inner hazards can come out in that moment. Keep a humble, dependent posture with God and with others. And that will help you navigate this wilderness that we are in. It's hard to talk about humility because, uh, you know, the moment you think you got it, you don't. You lose it, you know. And but, but this is a characteristic of people that have a close relationship with God and are serving Him in His way for His glory. As you move through this season, keep your relationship with close with God and be available to serve Him in the opportunities that He brings your way. We want to bring blessing to others and not hardship. That's the nature of, of our church. Is we want to bless you. We want to bless each other. We want this, this building and this, this place, when you come here, to be a place of blessing. Even now as we serve you in this online format, we want this to be a blessing to you. And, and my team here has done a great job in, in many ways of, of, of communicating that just you know, through all of our di- different means and, and through the worship thing we had last Saturday, through the gifts you know, we've delivered to you. I mean, we want this place to be a blessing because that is the heart of God, that we would bless one another. And humble people are the best of that. You know, the greatest example of that was Jesus Christ himself, who lowered himself to come to this world, who humbled himself and became obedient even to death, death on a cross. He died on the cross for, for you and for me. He didn't need to die for himself. He died for us and he rose again. And so through Jesus Christ, we can find the path forward in humility. You can't be humble on your own. But when you know Jesus Christ and that relationship with him and you have that new life in Christ, you're able to experience this walk with God, which, which creates this humble and dependent heart that can discover and walk with God day by day through the wilderness. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for myself, for my children, my family, my leaders here at New Life, and, and all of our church, church family, and every one of you that's watching. I just I want you to experience God in that level. And, and just to lower yourself, to watch out, because God is watching you. Watch your step. God is watching. And, and, and as you realize that, that he's watching you, he will look after you. You can cast your cares on him because he cares for you. And so this is an example for us. We can learn from it. And as we close, I'm just going to pray, and, and I just invite you to pray with me as we bring this sermon to a close, that God would just guide us in this journey today and this week in our own lives. Let's pray. Lord, we pray and, and ask for your wisdom as we walk through this journey of the wilderness in our own lives. Help us to find a humble place of dependence on you, trust in you. Lord, some are facing difficult circumstances and situations. Give them your peace and your joy and your strength as they navigate it in each situation. Be with our kids, Lord, our teenagers. Be with our adults and our seniors. Lord, I pray that we would be a source of blessing as we humbly walk with you through this wilderness. Thank you for Jesus Christ, with whom this would never be possible. He's a supreme example of humility, and we follow him, seeking to move up and out in new life in Jesus Christ this week. We pray this for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. God bless you. Have a great week.